Welcome to the Colts of the Clock Tower. I am Andrew Nathanson. Every other week, a special guest and I have an in-depth discussion about a character from the game Blood on the Clock Tower. Today's character is the Nodashi, a demon from the Sex and Violets edition, whose ability reads, Each night, choose a player, they die. Your two townsfolk neighbors are poisoned. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome to the show. Today, we're going to be talking about the No Dashi, and joining me once again is Brandon. Brandon, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you, Andrew? Doing pretty well. Um, so you chose to talk about the No Dashi. You haven't recorded with me for Sex and Violets yet, have you? We last talked about some trouble brewing character. <laughs> uh, I think we talked about the barber. Oh, did we talk about the barber? Right. Okay, yeah. Or early in the season. Right. Yeah, it's been... Honestly, like I record these things so far in advance that now it's been like, what, like several months since we did that. But yeah, so we're talking about the Nodashi today. Um, I think it's a super interesting character. It's it's one that you kind of have to, it changes the way you manage SNV in general quite a bit. But yeah, let's start with the, the section zero, brief overview of how to run and common rules mistakes. So the Nodashi is kind of a tricky character in a couple ways. It's a demon, of course, so it kills every night. Um, but they also just continuously poison their two townsfolk neighbors on either side. And this is a little bit tricky and not at all intuitive. Um, first of all, it's just townsfolk neighbors. It's not living townsfolk neighbors. So in Blood on the Clock Tower, the word neighbors is often modified by something like living or townsfolk or uh, I can't actually, I don't know if any other characters, uh, good neighbors or something. I don't know. But in any case, when a word modifies the, the word neighbors in Clock Tower, it means the closest player to you on either side who fits that condition. So for the empath, it's they check their living neighbors, so the closest players on either side who are living. For the Nodashi, they poison their townsfolk neighbors, so the closest player on either side who is poisoned, regardless of whether or not they're alive. So, yeah, often the Nodashi will end up poisoning dead players for some portion of the game, which usually doesn't have an effect, but... You know, every once in a while it can with, like, Bone Collector or something. And, yeah, and it's also a continuous thing, so it's not like they're just poisoned permanently for the whole game. If the Nodashi dies, the poison will go away, of course. And if the Nodashi moves via a barber swap or something, um, the poison will also travel with them, and it always chooses the closest neighbors, townsfolk neighbors, to wherever the Nodashi ends up. Uh, are there any other tricky things about the Nodashi that I didn't cover there? <laughs> No, I think uh, I think that about covers it and everything I wanted to say about actually running it. Yeah, cool. I see you put in some notes here about the name Nodashi. Yeah, so I did a little uh, research on the Discord to see if I could find any origin because um, I actually just looked this up today because for the longest time I've always wondered where the, uh, the name of that came from. Um, you can see the origins of maybe some of the other characters, uh, like some punny wordplay. But I always wondered where Nodashi came from, and uh, it apparently comes from a uh, the name of a Japanese sword uh, called the Odachi or the Nodachi. Uh, it's two different words for a very similar sword, I guess, that has hmm. a very long reach. So um, I guess that's the origin of it. And then uh, Stephen said that he kind of separated the word and added the no in front of it to kind of like imply a denial, a denial of abilities. And 
then the icon is like the you know the octopus tentacle creature that kind of extends their reach possibly you know one two three people away um and he imagines like the the tentacles kind of coming around the people and and denying them their ability so it, it very much a multi-layered thing and i see yes. you put a quote in here where he says to me nodashi means exotic creature with long reach that denies their neighbor's information which yeah it's a, <laughs> it all comes together <laughs> mm-hmm. so let's go right into playing as the nodashi then this is a i think a pretty difficult character to play and in general if you're on an evil team with a nodashi i think you have to be super careful because the fact that you're poisoning your neighbors is also giving a clue as to your location and obviously, as the demon, the biggest thing you don't want is for people to find where you are. So, well, yes, you are denying some information to the town. The fact that, that in doing so, you're giving up your own position if they ever figure out that they're poisoned, um, that can be quite a problem. Yeah, their biggest strength is also their biggest weakness. Um, the, the poison triangulation at the end of a game or throughout the game is definitely the biggest threat to the Nodashi, and it's it's interesting because uh, it can be played very straightforward by new players, and you just play it like you would any other one. But as you become more experienced with Sex and Violets, it also takes a lot of subtlety, and there's a lot of different layers to consider, like what you want to do as the Nodashi, and it can be kind of a, a difficult obstacle to overcome once the uh, your group kind of gets settled into all the different permutations of what can happen. Yeah, because I think I think it's pretty difficult in SNV to like conceal where exactly poison is because either it's a vortex game and everyone's info is wrong and they kind of figure that out together and you kind of just assume this binary switch of information. But once you rule that out and you start considering like okay, well what if this person's information is wrong but they are good? There's such a limited number of ways that can happen. Like they have to be either drunk by the sweetheart or the philosopher, which you would kind of have an idea is a possibility, or they'd have to be next to a minion killed by the vigor mortis. And if they got their info before that, like the info that you think might be wrong, if they got it before either of their neighbor di- neighbors died, you can rule that out pretty quickly. And then yeah. at that point, you're just left with Nodashi. So it's like as soon as you find one person who you think you can trust, but you also think their info is wrong, that can lead you right to a Nodashi so quickly. Yeah, it's it's very interesting and hard to explain to somebody who's never played SNV how the group can organically come to a conclusion about like what kind of misinformation is in the game. I guess there's there's an expectation of what level of misinformation should be in the game based on how many evil players there are. So you're like, okay, um, yeah. I know in this game two or three people are going to be lying to me. That isolates maybe how much uh, misinformation there is. Or if, like if you were playing Trouble Brewing, you may know that there's a drunk or a poisoning out there. It's like a finite amount of misinformation that there can be. And so when together as the group, you come together and you say, we don't feel like there's a lot of misinformation. Everything feels accurate to us. That can maybe point to a Fangu or you know, a Vigor Mortis if it's isolated, but then the more misinformation that your group feels there is, the more it points to a Vortox or a Nodashi, depending on like how it's split up between the players. And the the big problem, I think, is that 
evil players are often able to like lie and cover the fact that there's misinformation and make it so that it's hard to tell someone who's drunk from someone who's just lying because they're evil. Like in Trouble Brewing, that's something that will happen a lot is if two people give information that points to different conclusions, you can just explain it away as one of them being drunk or poison. You just kind of have to figure out which. Whereas in SNV, you can do that, but it's not necessarily going to help hide the, the Nodashi because if you have like, say it's a two minion game, so you've got three evil players giving potential misinformation plus the two people poisoned by Nodashi, you've got five players giving potential misinformation. How many of them are likely to be seated on either side? Like, like you can find kind of a row of three players or something giving misinformation, and that points right to the Nodashi. Mm-hmm. Just, just because it's so locked positionally based on just how the the tokens are drawn out of the bag, that's what can often make it really hard for the other players to even cover that up. Now, if you have a good distribution of evil players, like you can make it so that it's very confusing about where the Nodashi could be. Even if you conclude that there is one, it might be the case that like the people giving apparent misinformation end up framing several players who are between them. But even so... Like, that's just, it's a pretty, it's kind of a luck of the draw thing at that point. Right, because with the Nodashi, you can't choose, you know, what characters you're poisoning. I mean, you know, in Trouble yeah. Brewing, the poisoner, you know, may have an idea of who they may want to poison based on things they've heard or who they've talked to. But with the Nodashi, it's, you know, whatever it is, it is. So maybe you're poisoning uh, a better target or not, and you kind of got to work with it. Yeah, there are several things you can do to mitigate the fact that, well, for one thing, the poison is going to be pretty useful most of the time because it's guaranteed to hit a townsfolk at the very least. So, like, it's it's rare that your poison is going to have no effect on the game. It's always going to be doing something decent for you. The thing is, you just have to make the other info in the game conceal where you are. And there's several ways to do that. Um, I see you've put in the notes quite a few different ideas here. Um involving like demons and stuff um so we can go through those um i think there are also just ways that you can kind of accept that okay maybe it's a a nodashi game maybe it's not but like the minion the way the minions bluff and the way that you bluff can really influence how the group tries to interpret the information even if they think it is a nodashi so i think there are several ways to go about this why don't we just start with the first way which is to bluff that it's a vortex not a nodashi yeah yeah, because I, th- I think when when you're dealt the Nodashi, I, I think the first question you need to ask yourself is, how am I going to hide the poison? And what kind of narrative do I want to try to shoot for while, while staying flexible at the same time? So, and the first question, the, the biggest first question you should ask is, am I going to push for a specific demon theory being in the game? Yeah. So the, the, vor- the Vortox immediately comes to mind because you know that two people are going to be possibly getting misinformation. So can you push this theory of a Vortox if you can get all of your minions to work together? So if somehow you're able to talk to your minions and say, hey, I want to push a Vortox theory, and specifically if whatever their bluffs are going to be, whatever your bluff is going to be, enter in false information that other people will believe Uh, is false if you can get like we said those four five six people you know you plus your minions plus the poison people um, to all have be presenting false information that can allow a more believable vortex theory yeah part of the the tricky thing about this is 
in order for your minions and you to provide false information, like most of the info is, has to do with tracking the evil team in some way, or a lot, quite a bit of it does. So it's hard to provide information that seems false, I've found. Like, obviously, you can just, you can do some characters more easily than others. Like, you can come up with false dreamer info very easily, and you can come up with false artist info uh, pretty easily in a lot of cases. But, like, having all of your minions give false info doesn't necessarily always work to get people to switch into, like, a Vortox state of mind. Mm Mm-hmm. Just because, like, obviously your minions should be trying to protect you anyway, so you kind of have to give false info in such a way that when it gets reversed, it also isn't then pointing exactly to the people who just gave that information because, well, then obviously that's a contradiction, and, like, so nobody would ever want, like, nobody would make that leap to flip all the information in that case if it just pointed right at the people giving the information. So it's kind of a subtle art to giving the correct information, uh, the correct misinformation to make it seem like a Vortox game. You have to like give info in such a way that it's obvious that it's false, but also when you flip it, it doesn't point back at yourself. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, and, and getting your minions to help you is super key in this this scenario. I, I think if, if you are the kind of player that doesn't want to talk to their minions because you, know, you don't want to be seen talking to them because everybody tracks whispers and whatnot, and that's your group meta, you're going to have a much more difficult time because you may be wanting to push a Vortox theory, but maybe your your minion doesn't know that. And so um, they give some true information because they're trying to get trusted to ultimately back you up later or something. It's also easier to do at certain player counts than others, mostly because like at, typically as you add one new minion into the game, you add like two townsfolk. Is that about the right ratio? So like, or well, you start with... Um, at a seven-player game, you have one minion, one demon, and five townsfolk. And then you can go all the way up to, in a nine-player game, you still only have five townsfolk because the outsiders aren't really going to be providing info that you need to make look false. And then when you add one more minion in, you've got a demon, two minions, and seven townsfolk. So adding that extra minion adds two townsfolk in. So in general, the lower player count of the game, the higher like proportion of um, info-giving players you can have accounted for as players who will give false info. Um, and that's also including the fact that the Nodashi poisons two players no matter what. That that poison doesn't scale at all with the player count. Yeah, there's a, there's a big difference between a seven-player Nodashi game and you know, a 13 or 14-player Nodashi game. Yeah, in a seven-player Nodashi game, you're going to have four of the seven players giving potential misinfo. And that can allow you to either frame some of the other ones or confuse the other ones into thinking they might also be getting misinfo. And yeah, so to any any to any one player in that situation, the majority of the other players, or at least half of the other players, are giving false information. So it's at a low player count game, it's difficult to distinguish between Vortox and Nodashi, much more so than at high player counts when when you just have more townsfolk and the number of poison players accounts for less of the total. Yeah. And I think going for a Vortox is something that, you know, you you may have in the back of your mind as you're starting out, like uh, it's just something to watch out for if the opportunity presents itself. But what can also be a downfall of pushing a Vortox information is if you have um, if you have a player who is very trusted, you know, who happens to be the artist, a flower girl, a dreamer, somebody who can do a Vortox check and just happens to be very well trusted, you know, because of the 
social reads on that player, they can completely shoot down the Vortox theory and anybody who is giving verifiably false information automatically becomes suspicious. Yeah. And I think that at that point, if you are going for this Vortox push and then it all blows up like that, I think at that point you have to pivot to, well, sure, some of us are evil. Some of us are poisoned by the Nodashi. And then it's about finding out where the Nodashi is. So at that point, hopefully the people who actually are poisoned by the Nodashi aren't giving like verifiably false info. Right. I, I use the term verifiably very, very loosely. Yeah, of course, nothing's truly like verifiable. Um, I'm uh, pretty sure there's no confirmable characters in SNV. Like the most verifiable info you can get is that um, a player like gets executed or I guess a player dies to the witch guarantees that they were cursed by the witch. Right. Right. Um, so like if you add that happen and I don't know your savant statements, your fake savant statements were like no player was cursed by the witch last night. Sure. That can be verifiable. Um, <laughs> at least as the false statement, you don't know about the other one. You'd have to come up with something ver- similarly verifiable, verifiable for the other statement. So you can, you can create verifiable mal- f- uh, misinformation, but it's pretty convoluted to do so. So, and and sometimes there's just those players who, no matter what you do to to pin suspicion on them, they're just trusted because yeah, they're they're just one of those players that people trust. Yeah. So you definitely have, definitely have to be on the lookout for all of these things. Um, but yeah, if if the vortex theory stops working, that's when hopefully you've made it late enough into the game at that point that the confusion about where the Nodashi is provides you enough time, uh, like in terms of executing the wrong players, that they don't actually figure it out. Or if you have a pit hag, it gives you time to escape by using letting the pit hag use their ability. So what about pushing for a different demon instead of the Vortox? Yeah, so I think that you're going to have a hard time pushing for Fangu just because the amount of misinformation that's out there is hard to overcome. Sometimes you can get lucky and like your poison players will be an artist and then you kill them before they use their ability or they get executed or something. Or like a clockmaker can be kind of difficult to verify whether it's true or false. Um, sometimes the clockmaker is very powerful when they get correct information at pinpointing the demon. Um, but what I found is that when the clockmaker is poisoned, it's you, you'll still try to use that information to pinpoint the demon, but when it doesn't work... It's not like people will just immediately assume that the clockmaker info must be wrong. They'll often assume uh, it still could be correct, but we're just making some other wrong assumptions. So for some reason, I found that despite clockmaker, when it's working, being tremendously useful and people often being able to figure out a lot of a lot of truth from it, when it's not working, I found that it's actually kind of hard to tell. Those are some examples of characters who you might be able to get away with bluffing a fangu in play and saying that there's no misinformation. Yeah. Especially if they die to execution early, or as we can talk about later, if you kill one of your neighbors, one of your townsfolk neighbors. Yeah, I mean, the the other thing, aside from the um, lack of misinformation in a Fangu game to try and push that, you also have to have plus one outsider. So right. that means you need to have evil bluffing as an outsider um, to fit that, that count, which... Also, depending on your outsider count, like if you start with a, um, a base zero outsider game uh, and you want to bluff Fangu, well, a real outsider in a, that situation would know it's a Fangu game and would be much more hesitant to come out as an outsider. So trying to bluff that is a, is a much harder line to walk. Yeah. 
That being said, I think that like yourself, if if you're going to have somebody bluff an outsider, I feel like the Nodashi yourself as the Nodashi is a pretty good person to choose to bluff the outsider. This is more if it's not a zero outsider game, because uh, if it is a zero outsider game, then bluffing an outsider is like a full commit to the Fangu bluff, in which case maybe it's safer to have a minion do it. But for a higher outsider count game, if you bluff it, that can help to conceal the fact that you are actually the Nodashi because your neighbors are poisoned and Nodashi poison and Vigor Mortis poison, which we're going to talk about in a second, both of those travel through outsiders. So by bluffing an outsider yourself, it kind of can explain why one of your neighbors might be getting misinfo and right. they might start to distrust one another rather than distrusting you in between them because they think that the poison is just passing over you. Yeah, it might make it a little bit easier to pivot later into a, a Nodashi accusal of your neighbors. Yeah, so I think that if you're if you're planning to bluff a Fengu and you want to add that extra outsider, then having it be yourself, if you're not the only outsider, um, is a pretty flexible thing because you can pivot to either Nodashi or Vigor Mortis later. Although Vigor Mortis removes an outsider, so that's... Maybe not the easiest thing, but uh, but at least for pivoting back to Nodashi later, it can be a good way to do it. And you can obviously frame another outsider if they've come out as a minion. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. The the like when I've personally been the Nodashi, I think usually Fangu is probably the one that doesn't come to mind the or comes to mind the least often. Yeah, it's difficult because as soon as anyone sees any source of misinformation, they either at that point they have to distrust that player. Or they have to distrust the outsider. Well, I mean, it depends on the outsider count. But, you know, it, they have to distrust the outsider count. And, yeah, that just tends to be somewhat easier to trace back. Now, Vigor Mortis, on the other hand, is one that you can often, I think, use to your advantage. It is a little bit tricky because of the minus one outsider. Um, you might have people putting together, well, there's too many outsiders here, and, and at that point, you might have to kind of fight with the outsiders and try to frame them a little bit if you're trying to push for a Vigor Mortis. But it does explain the poison, and it explains, like, proximity-based poison, so you can plan your kills accordingly. Like, you can just kill the neighbors of the people, the neighbors of your neighbors, and that allows your poison to stay in the game, but provides an alternative reason for why it exists. And I, I find that that can be very nice to do quite early on, because the earlier you kill someone, the less time they have to give out their info and thus prove themselves to not be a minion. <laughs> so like, if you just kill someone straight away, it's hard for them to prove later that they aren't a minion. If you kill them later, it might be too late and they might already be able to prove that they're not a minion or at least prove that they have good info. And at that point, that's no longer a viable explanation for why their neighbor is poisoned. Right. And if, if you go with this um, and you kill one of your the neighbors of your neighbors and you get lucky and you happen to kill an outsider, I think that's usually a bonus because uh, to, to push a vigor mortis theory, because uh, with the minus one outsider, it's possible that when um, a minion might be bluffing an outsider in a real vigor mortis game to hide the fact that there is minus one outsider. So if you kill somebody you get lucky and they claim outsider you might be able to push it more saying no they're just a minion that got killed by their vigor mortis and they're claiming outsider to fill to fill that minus one outsider adjustment to make it seem like a nodashi or a vortex or something else yeah that can definitely work for that matter you might even just want to kill outsiders even if like 
like all demons want to kill outsiders to some extent because most of the outsiders have some kind of bad thing that happens for the good team when they die. But I think we talked about this in the Barber episode is that you don't always want to like they aren't always going to be your number one priority because often just neutralizing information is more important. But for Nodashi, I think that killing outsiders is even better because it just adds the possibility of more misinformation into the game if people think those might be minions covering for a Vigor Mortis. And you really want to have that misinformation cover as a Nodashi. Right. I mean, um, if you if you get wind of a sweetheart in the game... Uh, oh, kill them. Know, kill, <laughs> killing them is awesome in, in a Nodashi game because it gives um, reason for poison to exist. So when somebody finds out that they're poisoned we can you can just say oh this was due to the sweetheart death another thing to note here is that i i would always expect as the nodashi that the storyteller is helping me as much as they can because the fact that the nodashi like gives themselves away with poison when the poison is supposed to be helping the evil team um pretty much every good storyteller i think will be actively helping the nodashi to be concealed as much as they can and that, that is done in multiple ways. One, one way is that if there are other sources of poison, they'll hopefully put them in places that are misdirecting in some way, whether that's being hard to detect so that people can blame their Nodashi poison as sweetheart poison, or just putting it in another obvious place that frames someone else as the Nodashi. There are many ways for the storyteller to do something like that, but you can kind of expect them to help you as much as they can. Right, or in those, those rare cases, um, I actually just got done listening to the Pit Hag episode, uh, in those rare cases where... The storyteller has uh, agency to kill uh, whoever they want. If it's a situation where they kill one person and the Nodashi is pushing a vigor mortis theory, you know, killing one of those neighbors of the neighbor might uh, be a good thing that the storyteller can do. Yeah. Let's see. What else is there that you can do to help push like the vigor mortis specifically? Uh, if if you have access to uh, an oracle bluff, or you know, uh, you've played uh, a couple days and you're reasonably sure that there might not be an oracle and that certainly pairs well with uh trying to uh push a vigor mortis theory uh all, all you do is you know when somebody dies you say oh i got an increase of my number one of the people that we either executed yesterday or was killed last night was evil and that kind of helps you push that vigor mortis theory yeah definitely that that, that is also especially helpful i think if the person your people you're poisoning you know are um like they, their information is going to be kind of ambiguous as to when it's wrong. Like, for instance, a flower girl. They, it's going to be really hard for a flower girl to figure out which nights of their info is wrong, if any. So that's one that you can kind of walk back. So even if they've gotten a couple nights of information, if you want to kill their neighbor's neighbor at that point and, you know, use an oracle to bluff that they've just started to get misinformation, then that might be more believed. But yeah, I think that's pretty good for about pushing for vigor mortis the last like major thing i think is just trying to frame someone else as the nodashi straight away mm -hmm. yeah and i think when you if you approach this um this theory of trying to frame somebody else as a nodashi or you pivot to it later i think i think this is something you kind of always need to have in the back of your mind even if you say to yourself i'm going to start out with a vigor mortis theory or i'm going to start out with trying to push vortex the Nodashi as kind of your, your backup plan, I think should always be in the back of your mind. And when you're thinking about that, it'd be nice to, it's nice to think where your minions are and who you potentially want to frame, um, who you want to set up as the Nodashi, because you know that hopefully your minions are going to be giving 
misinformation or false information of, of some kind and trying to become suspicious. So if you can um, figure out a way to point, either point your information or the deaths of who you're killing to try and set up um, somebody next to one of your minions to say that that person next to my minion uh, is uh, the Nodashi because the minion is saying this thing and that we think that that is the poison. So therefore, this other person must be the, the Nodashi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. It, it can be easier to do this if your actual poison is more spread out as well. Um, so if you happen to be seated next to outsiders or minions, then your poison is going to be harder to trace back to you. So you're in less danger of suggesting that there is an Odashi in the game. So that's definitely a consideration for me if I were to start with this kind of Nodashi strategy. Mm-hmm. But I think that you're right that in general, it's pretty good as just like a fallback. Yeah. And if if you do start out with this saying right from the, the get go that I'm going to you know try to pin it on this one or two people, you, you almost want to try and save those people to, to, to bring out your big gun theories, you know, the things that you've been trying to set up. Um, as a as a possible explanation of what's going on in the game, bring that out a little bit later in the game. Uh, you don't want to, yeah. <laughs> you know, you don't. If if you're planning on trying to uh, have one of your minions be poisoned as your theory, and that one of their neighbors is the Nodashi, don't bring that out on day one. <laughs> Wait until later in the game <laughs> so that you can actually, you know, because if if that's your theory and you get them executed on days one and two then you've got to ask, well, where am I going from there? Yeah, for sure. I think that one other thing to consider here, more so with the Nodashi than almost any other character, I think, any other evil character, is that it's okay to not have a plan. Like, I I play the Nodashi almost more like I would play Trouble Brewing than any of the other demons. Because I've said before, I think that in SNV, the an important thing for the evil team to do is to actively make plays and actively push theories because the good team is going to be doing that as well. And I think that is the least true for Nodashi because figuring out what other people think is so important to figure to like trying to pin the poison elsewhere or to make that people think that there isn't poison. And so it's the it's the character that I'm most inclined to kind of wait and listen and then take advantage of whatever other people are already thinking. That also, of course, has the downside that sometimes they'll just figure out it's you, which is problematic. But um, <laughs> I think I think it's the character that most rewards waiting and listening and then trying to spin the correct narrative in whatever way you think is best. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. I think that Odashi needs to be the most flexible and willing to have um, the most backup plans kind of in where they want to go. And, and I know at least when I've played the Nodashi, my... I feel like my brain is going in eight different directions because I'm like, okay, what's this person saying? What's that person saying? What what theory can I push, you know, uh, a day or two from now that is actually going to have validity? Because mm-hmm. if you step out and and start pushing a theory hard, all it takes is, you know, somebody saying, well, that doesn't line up with my information and I trust this person because they dreamt, they dreamt on me and... You know, there there might be this network of trust that you might not actually know about in this one piece of information that can kind of shoot a hole in your whole theory. Yeah, it's it's definitely like if you're if you push anything, you have fewer fallbacks 
because the other sources of misinformation will point directly to you. Yeah, I, I think being aware of, you know, if you're going to push for a certain theory, being aware of the holes in those as well. And, you know, you know what's actually going on. So how are you going to respond at the end when they kind of maybe put it together and they say, here's a possible world and that's the correct one. You don't want to get caught like a deer in headlights being like, uh, uh, I don't have any alternate explanation for that. Mm-hmm. That has certainly happened to me as the Nodashi as I, I come out, it's the final day. I'm like, okay, here's my theory. So-and-so is the demon. I think this is what happened. And somebody just said, but, uh, you know, there's this piece of information out there that doesn't line up with that. I think you're the Nodashi. This poison lines up perfectly. And that's that. And I, I didn't have a response for it. And I was like, uh, <laughs> uh, that person's lying. That's that's all I had to go on. And uh, it didn't work. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it can be really hard. One thing I think that helps the Nodashi, and I think that part of the reason it's weaker is that groups don't necessarily bluff that a Nodashi is in play often enough. I think that it can be a very powerful tactic for the evil team if two minions happen to be sitting either with one player in between them or like with two players in between them. I think that it can be a very useful tactic to have those players try to frame someone as a Nodashi between them. Mm. And if players aren't doing that, then anytime you have the situation where the, the, the poison or the apparent misinformation lines up, everyone will just immediately assume there's a Nodashi between them and they'll be correct if this isn't something that's commonly bluffed. Um, so, so it's a little bit of a character where the, the metagame is important to keeping them alive when they're actually in the game. And I'm not saying that you should make these plays because they're, they're necessary or anything to like make the Nodashi safer. I think you should, generally speaking, play for the game that you're currently in. At least that's my theory. Obviously, there's you know other thoughts on range balancing and stuff like that in any kind of social deduction game. But I think in Blood on the Clock Tower, usually it's you, you want to be playing the game you're currently in. And so what I would just say is that if you, nobody really expects the kind of subtle Nodashi framing, then I think that it's a very powerful thing for minions who happen to be seated close to one another to try out. And hopefully, if that happens more then it also protects future Nodashis. But it's also a play that just should work, so it's like you don't have to make it because you want to change the meta, you can make it because it's good. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, that, that is one other thing I wanted to say about the Nodashi, is that the meta should be helping them out a little bit. Yeah, that's a good point. I also agree in, in my regular group. I don't, in Sex and Violets, I don't see a lot of minion coordination to to make up that there's a nodashi between them yeah it's it's the sort of like very deliberate play that i would make when there isn't a nodashi in the game uh because yeah if you can misdirect a couple of kills like if you can misdirect one kill for trying to hit the nodashi and then two kills for trying for killing the neighbors who were framing that that's going to be very powerful and it'll make people more hesitant to kill the nodashi first in the future yeah so there are a couple other things you can do besides just pushing certain demon theories to try and hide your poison if that's what you're trying to do i don't know if you want to go through and talk about these couple other little plays that you can make so uh we touched on you know killing a sweetheart if you find out about one but you can also just have a minion that was killed bluff as a as a sweetheart if -hmm. they were executed you know after after they die they can just say that they were the sweetheart um and that introduces 
you know, some ambiguity for the poison. Yeah, I think in general, like, if a minion's on the chopping block, it's a pretty good time for them to come out and say, all right, listen, I wasn't saying this because I didn't want to come out as an outsider in case there's a Fangu or something, but I'm the sweetheart, so just so you know, after you kill me, someone's going to be poisoned. And, like, because that's a fairly realistic time for them to come out, and but it's also kind of too late for the good team to, you know, like, challenge them too much on it. Sometimes if you come out at the latest possible moment, then people will be more worried about where the poison ends up and they'll think less about the fact that you might be lying if you don't do it in such a way where you're like actively looking like you're trying to save yourself which is of course a a fine balance but but yeah so for a minion bluffing sweetheart very powerful and it just provides that excuse that's all people need to convince themselves it's not an odashi (laughs) Mm -hmm. and bluffing philosopher is also really helpful um whether it's the the demon or a minion uh, the key there, of course, is saying that you transformed into something that exists in the game already, and probably even preferably the uh, if you can find out what character is next to the Nodashi, saying that you philosophized uh, to gain that character's ability gives the reason why there would be drunkenness, poison on that, that player. Yeah, that can be kind of hard to do if they're an ongoing character. Because typically ongoing characters are going to keep their character quiet, so you won't find out who they are early enough that you can say that you philosophized into them. Because, you know, the philosopher, if they're choosing an ongoing character, they usually want to choose it pretty early. So that can be that can be difficult. But if it is like a once-per-game character, say an artist, and the artist starts to suspect that they're poisoned, that can be a good time for your minion to say, well, hey, I'm the philosopher, I chose the artist ability on uh, the first night. And I haven't used it yet, but you're probably poisoned from that um, or drunk from that. Right. I mean, you could always uh, set it up and not commit yourself to just, you know, you could tell somebody I'm the philosopher and I'm going to do something at some point. And then when you find out what your neighbor is, that's, you know, when you could pull the trigger and say, oh, I turned into that as well. Um, it works probably better yeah. if you if you've never talked to that person, so you can say, "Oh, you know, we didn't coordinate. You know, I didn't know you were in the game." Yeah, yeah. Or even if they've like, if you have talked to them and they've lied, apparently, like you believe them when they come out the second time and as something other than what they told you originally, because then at that point you're also making them feel like it's their fault, which um, is a helpful, you know, like psychological tool. Yeah, yeah, that's for them great. To yeah, they'd rather believe that that they messed up by not telling you <laughs> than believe that you're just lying to them and poisoning them kind of on a subconscious level. <laughs> yeah. So aside from, is there any other characters that you can think of that bluffing as them? I mean, there's, I don't think there's any other characters that really cause poisoning or drunkenness besides yeah, those two. The, the only other thing I could would say is what I already mentioned earlier, which is like bluffing an outsider to explain why any poison that's near you would extend further. So we actually, uh, I think we touched on it a tiny bit, but didn't actually explore it. So um, the other thing, I think the most obvious thing to do to hide the poison, and which is my personal favorite thing to do as the Nadashi, is simply to kill your neighbors. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think there's lots of benefits to doing this. I mean, this is all predicated on where the meta is in your group, of course. If everybody expects this, it won't work as well, but... You know, if you kill one of your neighbors and if they have an ongoing ability, then um, that prevents them from kind of finding out uh, about that. If, if uh, the storyteller ever wants to clue them in that they're poisoned 
or um, maybe the storyteller has been trying to pin the demon on a particular person for the flower girl, uh, but the votes just didn't work out to do that or they died, you know, you will, you will kind of stop that before it ever could happen. And if they had a once per game ability, you know, if they were an artist or a seamstress and they hadn't been used, then great, you stopped it before it happened. And if uh, that, that would be great misdirection as to why they were killed. You know, maybe they told somebody that they were an artist that hadn't used their question yet. Um, and you can ask them, you know, who'd you tell? Uh, why would, you know, figure out why they would be, be killed. Yeah, so with like an artist or a seamstress or any once per game thing, killing them before they get to use their ability is kind of good, kind of bad. Like, yes, you are preventing the poison that could point to you, but you're also then giving up a lot of the power of the poison to mm-hmm. misdirect. So it's kind of a double-edged sword. I think I would generally prefer to kill players who are ongoing because then they can get hopefully some information, which they'll try to figure out, but not enough that it becomes obvious it's wrong. Yeah, I think I think if you kill a once-per-game character, you you're have to kind of pivot more into the, your social tactics rather than the actual, like, mechanically, the mechanical information that's being presented. Yeah. It, it is a good way to hide that there is a Nodashi at all, though. So if you find out that you've killed the once-per-game character, then it suddenly becomes a lot easier for you to always push people to explain the demon type in their arguments. So like if somebody presents an argument about who the evil team is, but they neglect to mention what demon type it is because it might be completely ambiguous just based on the fact that, well, Nodashi would be the same in this situation as Vigor Mortis as Fangu, then that's something that you can kind of push and say like, well, okay, what demon do you think it is? And then either they're going to say something wrong or they're going to say it's Nodashi and they're not going to be able to explain where the poison is. So right. either way, you've got kind of something that you can use to push back against the theories. Yeah, and, and it's great even when they present a Nodashi theory, um, you know, there should be and you kill you've killed your neighbor um, or, you know, one or both of them at some point. You know, there's always that question of why would I kill my neighbor? Right. right. But. I personally think the key to this is to not actually bring it up yourself. Um, <laughs> I see too often, you know, you know, a Nodashi might kill their neighbor and then they'll say, but why would I do that? And the response is, of course, is, well, so that you could say, why would I do that? You know, <laughs> if, uh, if an idea organically manifests itself in good players' minds and they say, um, oh, could Brandon be the Nodashi? Ah, but his neighbor died at night. Why would he do that? That's much more powerful. You know, it's it's uh, it's like Inception, if you've ever seen yeah. that movie. Yeah. It's much more powerful for the idea to originate in a good player than it is from you. Definitely is. You can also have a minion bring it up, but even so, that might end up working against you if people start to put the cards, or like, start to put everything together. Right. And their theory involves that person being a minion, then that that's kind of the same as you saying it. There's a, there's certainly, um, so I told you before how I epically failed as a Nodashi, but I, there was one game I also uh, did a great play uh, as a Nodashi where I killed my neighbor not knowing what they are, and they turned out to be the sage, which was fantastic because they came out and they said, I'm the sage, uh, these two people over here, one of them's a demon. And we get them executed, and the game continues. And so the question is, what happened here? 
And of course, I pivoted to well, they must there must be a bigger mortis. Uh, my neighbor is a minion, and now I'm poisoned, and that's why my information is messed up as well. <laughs> yeah, that's a nice way to explain that. Speaking of ways to uh, <laughs> explain your neighbors dying in, in a Vigor Mortis game, kind of a weird and crazy bluff you can do is to kill your neighbor and then immediately bluff that you've been turned into a minion by a pit hag. and Or an outsider, I guess. But I feel like a minion would be even more interesting because you can use the excuse, well, okay, this seems like it's a Vigor Mortis who just killed my neighbor who seemed, you know, they, they, they were given bad information all game. So they were probably a minion. And I just got turned into this other minion, which is allowing the poison to spread through me to my other neighbor. And so basically, like, if you can simultaneously sell that the person has been giving misinformation because they're a minion and now they're dead because it's a Vigor Mortis... And you are enabling that poison to spread through you. It's kind of like claiming an outsider from the beginning, but if you claim that you were turned into an outsider or a minion at the same time as you kill one of your neighbors, it helps to sell that even more and explain the poison on the other side of you. Yeah, it makes it look more coordinated. Yeah, I think I think that would especially work more if um, the neighbor on the other side of the person who died is already dead, so that the poison would be forced to go through you. Yeah, that's true. That could explain like the coordination because otherwise the poison could just go the other way and that coordination might not have mattered. Right, that's definitely true. Although I think that it depends also on like kind of the group meta and the storyteller meta where some storytellers will always force the poison to go as far as possible on a vigor mortis. Ah, yeah. uh, I know I, I know I often will. Um, I don't want it to be like meta or anything, but like that would be my inclination because <laughs> kind of an ongoing theme is I think a lot of the, the demons in SNV are not super powerful. So I like to maximize their abilities as much as I can as a storyteller. Yeah, I think it would also, uh, I'm just thinking here, I think it does, doesn't necessarily have to be a dead player too. It could maybe be like a seamstress who already used their ability and there would be no point in poisoning right. that other player as well too. So um, so in talking about uh, killing our neighbors, what, what are your thoughts on uh, approaching and actually uh, talking to your neighbor like at the beginning of the game? Do you try to talk to them and find out what they are to see if they're an outsider and maybe see where the poison is going and whether or not you should kill them? Or do you think it sets you up better if you don't talk to them at all? Um, I don't think I have a strong opinion on that. I think that kind of like either way it can work out for you. Obviously, it would be nice to know if you have outsider neighbors because you know who the poison is going to be spreading to. So that can help you make more informed decisions. But in general, if you have outsider neighbors, you're already in a like pretty good situation where the poison is spreading further, and it's going to be harder to track it down to you anyway. So you're not losing that much by not knowing that, even if you're acting on the false uh, supposition that your neighbors aren't outsiders. Yeah, I guess I was thinking more of the situation where <laughs> if you don't talk to your neighbor and you decide, oh, I'm just going to kill them, and they turn out to be an outsider... Um, let's just say they, they were the mutant or something, and then they come out with it after they're dead. That may, may, might make it actually easier to trace the poison later because you're like, okay, the poison went through the outsider, and now we can figure this out. That is true. I feel like the minions or the mutant is the only one where that's really an issue, though, because, well, maybe Klutz as well. If you kill a Klutz accidentally um, and that doesn't end the game, then that could be quite bad for you. 
Mm-hmm. But you've got like a 50-50 chance because if you kill a barber or a sweetheart, both of those provide enough confusion about where the misinformation in the game is coming from that I think you can get away with it and not really be punished for that. Right, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I mean, I didn't, I didn't have any particular thoughts on it either. I just wanted to see what you you thought. I, yeah, I, think you I, I don't think it matters. Way. I don't think it matters that much. I think you can definitely go either way. But yeah, if I guess one thing is that if you talk to them and you kind of gain their trust a little bit just by like some early, you know, talking to them as your neighbor, maybe forming some kind of like, hey, let's just trust each other this game. If you do that, then you can learn their poisoned information first and try to help come up with worldviews to explain it. Um, yes. Yeah. Or or you can, you know, if they uh, if they're an artist, for instance, you know, and they're wondering what to ask, you know, you can kind of maybe guide them, you know, nudging them along a certain direction, saying, you know, go ask this question. Don't do a Vortox proof question. You know, go go ask this instead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so I think there's there's definitely merit to, like, talking to the people who you know are going to be poisoned. I mean, also, I would say, like, if you can get your minions to go talk to them, that might also work, because then if they're ever suspected of having misinformation and other people also have some inkling as to the fact that your minions are evil, those two things might kind of go together and make them think that your minions plus the poison players are just evil together. Right, right. That's a good point. Uh, yeah, so just trying to do, like kind of tie them together <laughs> and leave yourself out of the equation might might work out. Yeah, there, I mean, there's a good theme. Um, I think we're about to get into how minions can help the Nodashi, but that that even before we get to their abilities, that's that's a that's a great point about the minions going and seeking out the neighbors of your demon, even if you don't know it's a Nodashi. Um, just assume it is and and go and talk to them first. Yeah, that, it's a good way, especially if people are like very actively tracking whispers and stuff like that. Yeah, that's great. Um, yeah, so let's talk about the minion abilities specifically helping. I think that if you want to kill your neighbors, um, you can certainly do that with a witch. Yeah, the witch will allow um, the demon to maybe choose a better target um, then you know if there's somebody out there that they would rather kill than their neighbors then the witch kind of like uh allows them to do that if they can get that neighbor to to make a nomination yeah at the same time though that might not be quite as good because it's a little bit like that idea that you were saying earlier where somebody says well why would a nodashi kill their neighbors they don't exactly have that because then then that leaves open the possibility well the witch and the nodashi just didn't coordinate or something right yeah i mean i think i think it it's the uh... Just like the Nodashi of whether or not to kill your neighbors, I think it's the same question with the witch, and it can kind of work for or against you depending on you know where your meta is and how the game plays out. I will say, though, that I also think that the witch in general is a little bit stronger in a Nodashi game because you can kill off the other... Or, like, specifically if you're trying to sell a Vortox or just trying to le- lean heavily into the misinformation that your neighbors are giving to try to create some other worldview. Mm-hmm. Because the witch can help you kill off other players at a faster rate. And just in general, if you're killing other players more quickly, there's less info out there in total that is correct. And thus, it'll be harder to figure out what information is wrong. Right. It's like the witch and the Nodashi kind of split the responsibility. (laughs) Who's killing the neighbors and who's killing the info characters? What about Saranovis? I think Saranovis is very helpful. (laughs) Yeah. And and of course, everything with the Nodashi is going to come back to their neighbors, right? So um, the Saranovis targeting... 
one of the Nodashi's neighbors uh, is really nice because they might not be able to reveal they're poisoned in a in a particular way. They might be able to cleverly get around it while abiding by the madness from the Saranovas, but they won't be able to specifically say, you know, I know I am poisoned from flower girl information or whatever the case may be, or from dreamer information. Yeah, and also if they're not able to get out their information, there's less of a chance that they're even going to be able to figure out that it's wrong because they won't be able to directly coordinate with others to figure that out. Right, like a, like a, a poisoned dreamer uh, can probably very easily figure out that they're poisoned when they go to somebody and say, hey, are you, are you this thing? And they say, you know, no, I'm not. If they can't even say I'm the dreamer to that person, then it, and the Saranovas continues to target them, they may go quite a long time before they realize that they're they're poisoned. Yeah, so like in general, it might be good for a Saranovas just to start every game by po- either targeting the your demon's neighbors or like by targeting yourself with the intent to, to target them later. Right. Yeah, I mean, there are ways I think that you know, they can get that information out still if if uh, if they are a, f- a flower girl or um, maybe they did uh, a juggle or something like that and they know that they got just bad info. Uh, maybe they just juggled on themselves or something like that and the storyteller decided to uh, give them false information and then the Saranovas targets them and they can't reveal that. They might still be able to say that I know I was poisoned and maybe present some other information that, you know, still tells the same story, but with slightly different data points, I guess. Yeah, I I think that's possible. Hopefully your storyteller, though, if they're a character that so obviously could just like know that they're poisoned, the storyteller might opt to make it less obvious. Like if they are a dreamer or something, then I think as the storyteller, I'd give them quite a bit of correct information. Right. Just because like, it becoming obvious that they're poisoned could backfire so easily. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure we will talk about that a lot in the, in the last section. Evil twin, you don't really interact with much. Yeah, I, I tried to think of what the evil twin specifically could do. I mean, the evil twin, in some ways, could actually kind of hurt you because you know the town knows. Oh, one of these two people must be a minion, and if you just happen to be next to them that can kind of help with the poison triangulation next to like if the, if you as the Nodashi are next to the evil twin minion, then town is going to at least know that the evil twin and some other good player, one of those two is a minion. Ah, right. And that can kind of help that if, if players around the minions are getting misinformation or believe that they are getting bad info, it might be able to lead back to the Nodashi. Yeah. I guess if you're in a situation like that, maybe you want to just like kill the evil twin. <laughs> that way it looks like it's a vigor mortis. Mm. Um, maybe. I-, I guess the storyteller can also help you out by like assigning the good twin as one of the poison flayers. That way it's hard to differentiate between them being a minion and giving wrong info and them being a good twin and giving poisoned info. So I guess that's a way that the evil twin could help, but it's not really within their control that much. Yeah. I I think I thought about this a lot, and I, I couldn't think of a lot of specific ways that the evil twin could specifically help the Nodashi. Yeah. What about Pit Hag, though? I think Pit Hag can probably do the most, just because it's the character that can do the most. <laughs> oh, yeah. In general. I see you've put a, a couple of really good ideas in here. One is killing, or creating, and then killing a sweetheart or a barber. 
we were just talking about how valuable those things are to have access to. And with Pit Hag, you can enforce your will upon the game and cause them to be in the game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think the sweetheart is is the obvious one that we had talked about earlier, and then the barber. I mean, you can go listen to the barber episode, but the I think the barber is the most powerful probably for the Nodashi because of that poison triangulation that can happen and being able to kind of move it to somewhere else, introduce some unexpected poisoning and kind of, you know, that get a jail free card uh, can be really, really yeah. nice. Even if people know the barber swap has happened, if you do it late enough in the game, then they're not going to have enough time to figure out where the poison has moved to. And they might also think that maybe you chose not to swap at all and they'll still kill the person in between the two people who were previously poisoned uh, if they have managed to triangulate it. Yeah, I mean, worst worst case scenario, if if they know, if it's getting late in the game and they know, okay, either you or this other person is evil, um, you know, they, they let's say they've boiled down um, you and your minion. They know who the evil team is, but a barber was just made and killed. Well, they still have to take a fifty fifty shot, which is usually just as good as any other game. Yeah. Um. <laughs> And it in, it kind of invalidates the fact that, well, before they could have used the poison to differentiate between you and your minion. Mm-hmm. But as soon as you kill a barber, now it's just anyone's game again. And the other common thing um, that uh, you can do is, you know, you can create outsiders and minions who are next to the Nodashi uh, in order to kind of spread that poison because it's a, since it's a continuous check, you know, let's say... Um, Let's say the the Nodashi is has two townsfolk immediately adjacent to them, and mm-hmm. you can turn one of them into an outsider, which has its benefits on its own, but then also relocates that that poison um, to one player further down the line. Yeah, and that's really good because even just moving it that tiny bit can make it a lot harder to detect. Yeah, it's. It's sometimes a double-edged sword, though. It's it's really good, and it's done a lot because it's so good. But I but I think as we talked about earlier with the outsiders, is when when if they happen to die and they come out, is that it can also make that poison tracing a little bit easier because they they can kind of say, okay, the poison was here on days one and two, you know, got turned into an outsider, and now the poison moved here, and that's exactly when your information started to become weird. Yeah, definitely. Um, you kind of have to be aware of where your group is at because I know I've played with a lot of groups where that wouldn't be the meta and like that wouldn't be the first thing that they jump to as soon as they like learn about an outsider is mm-hmm. they wouldn't immediately think like, oh, this is an outsider created to move the Nodashi poison. So you have to be aware of everyone's at. It's going to be more powerful, obviously, if that isn't the case that everyone thinks that. Yeah, I mean, that that's the great thing about it is it, it has a reason to happen on its own so there is an explanation for it regardless of the nodashi yeah like creating outsiders is just good (laughs) the only thing uh other thought uh, did you have any more thoughts about the the pit hag specifically yeah i mean it's just it's going to be very useful for both concealing the poison and creating characters that conceal the poison and obviously all like it's your get out of jail free card it's your you can turn yourself into a snake charmer then snake charm the demon or you can just turn yourself into the demon or something which you will have to do every once in a while when your pit hag starts to get cornered. I mean, you're no Nodashi cornered. Yeah. yeah. I would say just in general, um, for, for minions in a Nodashi game, if, if you are a minion sitting next to your demon and you know it's a Nodashi game, 
in that particular case, I would probably generally try to make it a point to not be in double claims or be more willing to back down from double claims if you get caught in one. Uh, because kind of like what we said with the evil twin, if you have a double claim and people know that one of these two people must be lying and are very likely a minion, if the group kind of comes to a consensus that it's a Nodashi game late in the game, that knowing where a minion is uh, not only can help uh, good if there's a clockmaker in the game, but can also help with that poison tracing, tracing again. And you can say, okay, if this person is a minion and uh, we have a clockmaker one and the Nodashi is next to them, we know that the poison would go through them. And is this person's information likely poisoned? All right. Are you ready to move into the next section of fighting the Nodashi? I think so. Yeah. I think we talked a lot about being yeah. the Nodashi. <laughs> so, so as always, the way to fight the Nodashi is kind of to invert everything we said about playing the Nodashi. Always be looking for, as you were saying, like when there are outsiders and minions that you know about, be aware of the fact that the poison will skip over them. I think that's probably the the biggest thing you can look for when fighting the Nodashi is you want to be looking for sources of poison and you also want to suspect that anywhere there's like an outsider that's been created that that it's a possibility that that's being done for the purpose of spreading poison. Yeah. And I find it very useful when trying to look at it is to kind of always start with yourself. You know, uh, you know, your own information and um, you may not know whether it's, good or not but you know consider if you're poisoned who would the nodashi or who could the nodashi be would it be one of your immediate neighbors because nobody said that they're outsiders next to you or could it be you know a step further but more importantly is if you reasonably believe that your information is good or you have a good reason to believe it's good then that kind of almost clears your neighbors of being a nodashi specifically yeah you always have to worry a little bit about the fact that well your storyteller might be trying to make you think that intentionally so i would say that the more specific your information is the more you can't reliably think that so if i was a dreamer i would never take the fact that i'm getting true information as an indication that my neighbor isn't a nodashi Mm -hmm. Because, yeah, the more specific it is, the more likely the storyteller is to give you correct information just to make you think that your neighbor isn't the Nodashi. Right. But, yeah, it is nice to know that if you think your info is wrong, that either means there's a vortex or there's a source of it immediately, like, close by to you. (laughs) Um, Right, yeah. There are definitely (laughs) some characters that can almost know... Not, I don't want to say instantly, but, you know, like a, like an artist, for instance, right? If an artist goes and asks, you know, am I the artist um, to do a Vortox check um, and they get a no, they immediate, you immediately know that either it's a Vortox game or an Odashi is next to you, you know, mm-hmm. assuming a sweetheart hasn't died or anything like that. <laughs> Other than like just kind of backtracking from your own information and seeing if you think your own info is wrong, the mathematician can be very helpful. Mm-hmm. obviously they're just like <laughs> part of their ability is just like well you know if there's an odashi in the game because you start with a number greater than one uh or yeah. n- greater than zero yeah i feel like every time that happens uh every the whole group goes over the ways that poisoning or drunken drunkenness can happen at the start of snv right so if it's the yeah. first night mathematician gets a one or a two correct me if i'm wrong but i believe the only sources of poison drunkenness misinformation on the first night are the nodashi 
a philosopher who has already turned in, used their ability and made somebody else drunk and a Vortox. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. So, so if you're a mathematician and you get a one or a two, that certainly leans towards Nodashi because I very much highly doubt that a philosopher would turn into mathematician on the first night, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so that basically leaves Nodashi or Vortox. Yeah. And that's obviously going to be very strong. And that's something we can consider as a storyteller, whether or not you want to put in a mathematician with a Nodashi. There's lots of little character pairs like that in S&V where one character is very strong against another. Of course, you've always got to be aware that you you could be right next to the Nodashi. And yeah, we'll get to that. Because I think um, when we did the one stream game, I was actually a mathematician next to a yes. Nodashi. <laughs> That's correct. And we told you a one, which I think was like true-ish. Yeah, I think, I, I think that... it was like, was it like my information that was wrong? And yeah, so it was like, but but by your information being wrong, then the one became right. So like, it was kind of a paradoxical thing to tell you. Obviously, it doesn't matter because it was poisoned info. Yeah. Um, and we were trying to sell you on the fact that there's there is a Nodashi or there is poison or Vortox, but it's not near it's you. It's not near me, right? And that kind of didn't work out because just like the way it happened, like one of the minions was kind of obvious and... The dreamer was very powerful in that game, despite like I often will put in a dreamer and just kind of challenge myself to not let the dreamer solve the game. Uh, but It's hard. <laughs> so, yeah, there's I, I don't know in hindsight if giving you a one there was the correct decision. It's possible that a zero would have been less indicative of any kind of misinformation in the game at all. So maybe that would just let you fly into the radar more. Um, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah, who knows? Uh, let's see, what else can help uh, in a Nodashi game? Um, a clockmaker. A clockmaker uh, can help pinpoint a Nodashi specifically if they get a one, right? It means that uh, a minion is right next to the Nodashi. So that kind of gives a clue that the poison, if it is a Nodashi game, which you wouldn't know, that the poison would be skipping over a player. So if you get a one, you might want to be on the lookout for kind of those gaps in um, misinformation between, I guess it would be one, two, three players apart, or at least three players apart. Yeah, like like three steps. Yeah. Yeah. Conversely, if you get um, a two or more as the clockmaker, uh, if it's a Nodasha game, you can probably assume that the poison is immediately next to the Nodashi. Um ignoring any outsider cases of course but hopefully by the end of the game the outsiders will have uh, made themselves apparent so you can kind of use that at the end of the game to say okay um, the poison must be immediately next to a player yeah and i think while we're talking about the end of the game i think the real like trouble that nodashi has is throughout the entire game when there's lots of players alive if you want to do kind of an exhaustive check of, well, okay, what would happen if this player was the Nodashi? Does that explain what we know right now? That's hard to do throughout the game, just because mm-hmm. there's so many different possibilities. But in order for the Nodashi to win, you have to get through a day of there being three players alive in general. Maybe four, depending on you know how people are executing based on whether they think a Vortex is in play or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but in general, you have to get through a day with only three players alive, and that's just not enough players 
for it to be hard to do that check anymore. Now you can kind of exhaustively search, well, okay, if this person was the Nodashi, then these people would be poisoned. Does that make sense? Right. And I've, I've seen way too many times, um, myself included, like I said earlier, is, is you know, somebody's going through the possibilities uh, and they come across the, the correct Nodashi solution. They're like, okay, if this person is Nodashi, the poison would be here. And, oh, that makes sense. You asked this artist question that was wrong. And this was the flower girl information or whatever the case may be. All the pieces seem to fit now. And once they find that solution, because it is right, it's very hard to get them off of it. Yeah, because obviously it fits better than any other solution. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Likewise, you know, since you may not know if you're in a Nodashi game, you know, going through those possibilities can also potentially help you eliminate Nodashi as a possibility. Yeah. And you obviously have to be aware of like barber swap and things like that, which is why it's such a powerful tool for the real Nodashi. Because if there was a barber that died midway through the game, it makes it a lot less clear to determine whose neighbors might be poisoned mm -hmm. and for how long. I think that's generally it as far as fighting the Nodashi. It's a fairly straightforward character. Just like find the poison and then figure out who you would expect to be the Nodashi based on that. It's, it's that simple, right? It's that simple. <laughs> so let's move it into section three here, which is running the Nodashi as the storyteller. Do you want to start with some thoughts on this? I see you've got some cool notes in here about it being your demon of choice in a newer group. Yeah. Um, so if you're running um, SNV for a newer group of players, me personally, it's generally um, my demon of choice, the Nodashi, for one of several reasons. Uh, first, the, the concept of poison is a familiar concept uh, coming from Trouble Brewing with the Poisoner, so there's not really any new concepts there um, other than just two, two people being poisoned continuously. Um, it avoids some of the kind of stranger mechanics uh, that are unique to SNV, like the Fangu jump. So that that's the the switching alignments um, can kind of trip some people up sometimes. I find, and it avoids uh, the vortex falsification. You know, the vortex is uh, probably one of the you know the flagship characters of SNV, and uh, people notice it right away, but they. You know, new players might often overlook the um, if no one is executed, evil wins. Uh, the Vortex is also a little bit uh, more taxing on the storyteller. So especially if you're a newer storyteller to SNV as well as your group, um, avoiding the overhead of trying to falsify everything can make it a little bit easier on you. And then uh, for the Vigor Mortis, I, f I tend to find that Newer players who get dealt a Vigor Mortis um, almost tend not to use their ability to kill their own minions. And even uh, other players, I feel like when, when people are going through the possibilities of what demons or what possibilities that could be, for some reason, I don't know why, I find new players tend to overlook the Vigor Mortis as an explanation. So the Nodashi just kind of seems the most straightforward to me uh, mechanically for the players. But if you have a couple experienced players mixed in, um, it also kind of provides these like subtle layers that we've been talking about to, to think about as well. Yeah, I could get behind that. <laughs> in the first game I ever ran of SNV, I put a Vortox in uh, <laughs> just because I knew that nobody would expect me to put it in. <laughs> And one of my players like immediately said, like, we shouldn't execute anyone because 
there's no way you'd put a Vortox in our first game and make all of the info false. And then they didn't execute on anyone and they lost. <laughs> and then we well, played another game and I put Vortox in again. Uh, <laughs> it's certainly a good way to teach them a lesson. <laughs> yeah, but I, I think that it's a, I think that I like Pinodashi as an idea. It is the most straightforward of the demons, I think. And it'll feel very natural to the person playing it. Uh, and the big downsides that we've talked about aren't going to like like the things that it takes a lot of player skill to kind of try to overcome and like weave narratives in interesting ways. Those aren't really there in your first time playing SNV because people aren't as good at putting the info together and figuring out who's poisoned. So the poison really just kind of does help the evil team in, in your first game, most likely. Right, right. Yeah. Speaking of uh, poison, poisoning helping the evil team. So you want to talk about like the choices you have to make as storyteller of what to do with that poison. Yeah. I think the hardest choice to make is on the first night. If you're uh, dealing with someone who gets info on the first night. And the reason is later in the game, you can listen to what the Nodashi is saying and what the evil team is saying and try to support whatever narrative they're doing. So if they're pushing Mm -hmm. for Vortox, you want to always give false info. If they're trying to frame someone, you help frame them. That's generally easier. The later in the game you are. But on the very first night, you don't know what they're planning to do, and they have no idea what you've done already uh, at the start of the game. So you have to make your decisions carefully. I've used the Dreamer as my example over and over again in this episode as a character who I would usually actually give correct info to on the first night, as long as I didn't think that, you know, obviously there's a point where giving correct info is even more damaging than giving incorrect info. Mm -hmm. Like, if they do choose a minion or something right away, I might give them... Well, I mean, whether I give them false info or not doesn't really matter at that point because it's going to seem false no matter what. And then and maybe after that point, I'd give them true info for the rest. Or I mean, I'd give them false info for the rest of the games that they don't know whether that first one is actually telling them a minion or not. You have to make considerations like that. But if they choose a good player on the first night, I'd probably give them true info because I think that, yes, it's strong for the, the dreamer to find someone to trust right away. But that'll also make it seem very strongly like they aren't poisoned and any future things that they find can be more easily explained as a minion or that also allows for the possibility of Vigor Mortis to explain any incorrect thing reads they get in the future. So like for Dreamer who gets info on the first night, I'd usually give them correct info. Mathematician we already talked about, you kind of, it's it's really hard to say with Mathematician, you know, if you give them true info, well, first of all, what even is true info? But if you give them a number indicating that there's false information in the game, that might put them and other people on the wavelength of uh, Nodashi right away, which might be bad. But giving them a zero also just might not be that impactful, especially if the other neighbor is someone who hasn't acted yet or anything like that. Right. Seamstress using their ability right away, I think you can kind of go either way. It's not too harmful um, whether they get true info or not. And it's really hard for you to determine if they're going to be able to you know, like verify or falsify their information either way. Yeah. I think in general, the, like the once per game abilities, uh, seamstress, artist, juggler, you know, I, I think I would tend, um, you know, in a vacuum, I would probably tend to just give them the most devastating information. Probably it's usually going to be false information. I would think that would be more devastating in most situations because they have no way to, you know, consistently verify like what, what they're getting is true or false. It's just one data point and they have to rely on the rest of town to assume whether that information is good or not. Yeah. I think the only time I wouldn't do that is if the artist or the juggler is doing a vortex check intentionally. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
because I think that letting them narrow it down to either Vortox or one of my neighbors is Nodashi is just like way too narrow. And as soon as somebody disproves a Vortox, um, or at least provides evidence that is strong that it's not a Vortox, then it will immediately pinpoint the Nodashi. And I think that's very devastating to the evil team. Mm-hmm. So in general, if they're doing a Vortox check, I would just give them true information. Um, I'd rather leave it ambiguous because at that point they're kind of wasting their ability anyway, other than ruling out Vortox. Yeah. Yeah. I think this all comes back to like, you know, when we were talking about with the dreamer and the artist, it comes back to the theme of, you know, as the storyteller, you don't want to make a hard and fast rule that you're going to always reverse the information or you're always going to reveal the poison at some point by giving obvious, um, you know, information that doesn't make sense, um, especially with ongoing abilities, you know, you need to remember that the Nodashi's ability is supposed to help the Nodashi. So if you get into this meta of always reversing information or always doing a specific thing, then that can help town use poison triangulation to figure out who the Nodashi is, which doesn't work with the Nodashi. Yeah. So, Yeah, it's like all the other demons have an ability that in some way helps the evil team. And the Nodashi's ability, for balance purposes, should also help the evil team. (laughs) Right. Yeah, and like it, I think in general you want to try to avoid cluing that they're poison because I'm trying to think of a good example, but like I think maybe like Flower Girl might be a good one um, where they could at some point realize that they've gotten false information and something changed. Uh, you know, if, if a person that they've been getting yes on died or something in their info changed, um, or if like that could have been the only demon that they got based on prior info and then they got, you know, different info, you know, that could be a clue to them that they're poisoned. And as soon as they know that they know one of their neighbors is the Nodashi or maybe a Vortex got created and I don't think you want to do that very often, but you need to do it enough so that it's bluffable by evil. Like we were talking about right. earlier, you know, two minions kind of coordinating a um, uh, a poison bluff to pinpoint a Nodashi between them. Yeah, it's it's definitely just it's always a balancing act. I just what I my choice in the moment is always to try to make it so that it's hard to figure out that there's a Nodashi next to them. Yep. And sometimes that means making it obvious that they're poisoned, but making it so obvious that people aren't going to believe them. Uh, (laughs) Rarely, but occasionally. Yeah. The other things to consider here about like just putting the Nodashi in the bag at all. um, We already talked about how it can be stronger in a smaller game because you can push Vortox narrative more easily. Um, I like that you put in here that Nodashi, you prefer it in two outsider games, which isn't something I'd really thought about before, but... I think that's also a really good idea um, just to increase the chance of having an outsider next to the Nodashi and skipping out the poison another character over or another player over. Yeah, that's always uh, anything to add a little bit more chaos. Yeah. And as far as putting in some of the characters that counter them, Dreamer and Mathematician are like the two strongest counters, I think, to Nodashi, which doesn't mean they can't exist with a Nodashi. Um, but you have to be careful. <laughs> yeah, I know we were talking about Dreamer a lot, and I I think I tend to not like the Dreamer as much. Um, I mean, obviously you have to put it in sometimes, but I feel like a, a Dreamer in a Nodasha game is very powerful. Um, yeah. And 
so like you said, on, especially on the first night, I think you almost have to give them true info so that they don't discover they're poisoned. Um, but it's it's so easy if you give them wrong information for them to go up to somebody and say, hey, I saw you as the Saranovus or something else. You know, can you confirm what you are? And, and they if they decide to come out with you or you do you know a swap of characters, any number of ways you want to do it, it's kind of easy for them to confirm that they got correct information as well as it can be trusted. So what I specifically like to do with the dreamer, if you want to put it in, is when they when they start dreaming on people, instead of actually showing minions, I tend to do uh, show demons as the evil character a little bit more um, <laughs> because that kind of brings in the question of, well, did I see one of their bluffs? Um, and yeah. if, you, if you show them the Nodashi, that can also introduce like, okay, maybe their neighbors are poisoned and all this other pieces of misinformation. Yeah, I think that it can be interesting to just like, whenever they look at a good player, just show them Nodashi <laughs> as their evil possibility. Um, that way they can't help narrow it down at all. And I've, obviously I've, that'll tell them the minions, but they might not know you're doing that. <laughs> yeah, I've I've never I've never shown, like said, like, you know what, I'm going to show Nodashi every single time. <laughs> That would be that'd be hilarious. <laughs> Another Nodashi. <laughs> it would be really funny if that just happened by coincidence, like the pit hag was somehow just like turning everyone they looked at into Nodashi. <laughs> uh, you might need I don't know, you might need a what do you need? You need a barista in the game at that point to make the pit hag act twice every night so that they can get rid of the old Nodashi and move it. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, put that in the book. Yeah. <laughs> I think Barista on Pit Hag is just cruel to the good team, though. <laughs> well, that's why they have the Dreamer, right? Exactly. <laughs> the last note you have in here is not letting the last day go on forever, which is definitely something we touched on. Uh, if the good team has time to put every single possibility to test, like to consider every possible permutation of poisoned players, well, that was a lot of... Uh, P sounds in one sentence. Uh, if the good team can, you know, go through every possibility for who's an Odashi, then it's there's a very good chance that they will find the correct one, and then they will no one will be able to shake them off of that narrative. Right. Yeah. And and if you let a day go on too long, and that happens, um, you know, sometimes I feel like evil might feel a little bit cheated because they might be like, well we had the town on edge going towards this theory and uh, everybody was kind of on board, but then, you know, Bob over there said the one thing that kind of turned it all around. And it's because this day has been going on for 20 minutes, you know? Yeah. The thing is like the good team will always want to have like a bulletproof narrative before they vote. And if there's not an Odashi in play, it can be harder to come up with that bulletproof narrative because like, you know, let's like in trouble brewing, you have to figure out who the drunk is. If there is one, you have to figure out who was poisoned on exactly which nights. And that's just a lot more like freedom in terms of all the possibilities that can come together. Mm -hmm. But when there's just a Nodashi in play in an SNV game, as soon as you consider one person as the Nodashi, you then are immediately suggested to consider two other pieces of, you know, misinformation uh, or two other sources of misinformation. And so you're no longer like considering a bunch of discrete pieces and trying to put them together. You're considering one piece that immediately leads to two others. And when that's the case, 
it just all comes into view very quickly a lot of the time. Yeah, that's a that's a great way to say it. Yeah, it's it's certainly a balancing act because you, I mean you also don't want to rush the day either because then then the good team will feel like they didn't have enough time to figure it out. You know, there, there's that there's that golden sweet spot where like if you can anticipate kind of how the the wheels are spinning and the gears are turning, you know, to put call for final nominations and you know kind of discourage more chit chat at like just as they're getting there right like you want Mm -hmm. that tension at the end as a player to be like oh i feel like i'm just about to figure it out and i'm not quite there but i have to make a decision i don't know i'm gonna go with this person (laughs) you know yeah it's it's better if like they have the right idea but they haven't had time to verify that it's correct (laughs) like they haven't they haven't had time to go through all of the logic in their head Right, yeah, those those make for the exciting games. It's yeah. it's a little bit of a letdown when you know the correct solution comes out and everyone's like, oh yeah, that's it. Okay, I guess <laughs> game over, right? Yeah, yeah. You want to avoid the game actually being solved. Yeah, sometimes it's like it's it's okay if like one player has solved the game because often you'll have a player who's in a position of knowledge where they know something, but not everyone knows if they can trust them, and it's okay for that person to have solved the game. Hmm. But, like, if everybody has solved the game and the evil team, like, doesn't really even have a chance to combat the narrative, that's just very unexciting and very, like, just a boring end of the game. Yeah, yeah, there's always one person who figured it out. I'm I'm convinced of that in every game of Clock Tower. There's always one that that has it, like, almost perfectly. Yeah, And they they can't convince everybody else. I I think that's kind of a... That kind of just falls out of the design of Clock Tower, where I think that the evil team's strongest thing they can do often is make sure that whoever figures it out isn't trusted. And it's like, so once somebody starts to figure it out, it often becomes more about the evil team like making others not trust them than trying to convince that player that they're wrong. Mm-hmm. So like you often will end up in a situation where one person absolutely knows the right thing, and nobody's even trying to convince them that they're <laughs> wrong. They've just instead tried to convince everyone else that that person's evil. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's well said. I mean a couple good insights for here at the end yeah (laughs) all right but yeah i think that wraps it up for nodashi uh definitely a character that needs some help with staying alive (laughs) needs a lot of nuance um and the storyteller needs to know what they're doing needs to be aware of helping them Uh, otherwise you can end up with some very lame moments for the the evil team so with all that in mind this has been the cult of the clock tower um i don't know why i'm pretending like there's a thing i say at the end of every episode because there isn't that's the thing you say (laughs) i guess it is yeah it kind of is becoming that thanks for listening everyone you'll hear from me with another special guest in a couple of weeks and you'll you'll hear from me then all right have a good one